Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Last week we did our baby dedication. Wasn't that amazing to have 11 families, 11 children that we dedicated to the Lord last week? And I just thought that was such a special day and a special Sunday. Uh, So last week I took a break from our stewardship uh, sermon series that we've been on for two or three weeks now. I'm going to hit it again today. I'll probably hit it again next Sunday. Then we'll take a break for VBS. Then I'll come back and, and try to finish it up over the next few Sundays. But in this uh, in this stewardship sermon series, I know this really the topic isn't a real exciting topic that folks really want to dig into. But however, it is the missing link. It is the missing piece of successful Christian living. Understanding the biblical principle of stewardship and all that it entails in our life. If you will nail this down, you will, you will already have most of your Christian faith worked out if you nail down this principle because it's almost like buttoning up a shirt. Right guys? You put on your, you put on your dress shirt and I don't know of any guys, maybe you're one of them, I don't know of any guys that just grab a button and grab a hole in the middle and start. Right? Most of us start from the top down. And here's the idea. If you get the top button, or at least if you can't even get it button, if you get it right here, you know those are in alignment. Get the next one. We always can hit that one, right? It's that one that gives us. You got those little stretchers, guys? Those little, gives you another inch you put on there. Some of those elastic things. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, right? But here's the idea. If you get the first button lined up, the rest of them just fall into place. You don't even have to think about them, right? Get the first one in, the rest of them just fall into place. The same thing in our Christian living and Christian principles and living a successful Christian life. If you can get the principle of stewardship nailed down in your life, everything else will just fall into place. It really will. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And actually today I'm getting to the very end of the sermon that I started three weeks ago. And uh, we've made three sermons out of this one that I was going to do initially. And we're going to talk some about the benefits. So before I get started any further, why don't we pray together? Let's just ask the Lord to open up our hearts, open up our our mind uh, to receive the word of God today. We're going to be sharing several different passages of scripture. We're not going to be reading everything that's listed here. But we're going to be referencing some. And the Lord is the author of the scripture. He's the writer of the book. And he's the one that illuminates our minds and our hearts and gives us insight to the word of God. So we need to ask the Lord to show us passages of scripture that we need today so that we can take it away and live a victorious Christian life. Okay? So why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day and this privilege uh, to be able to be in your house of worship We thank you, Lord, for our praise team and band that's already um, ushered us into your presence. Father, now we pray as we get into the word of God that you open our hearts and our minds. You illuminate the word of God. We pray, God, you speak to our heart exactly in the area that we need. And, Father, we need you today. And our prayer is if there's one here today that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that today will be the day of, of salvation for them. 
And that's where it all begins. It begins at the cross. And Father, we thank you for the cross, and we thank you for shedding your life's blood and for dying there and paying our sin debt. And uh, now we just pray you help us to put the pieces of our, our spiritual life in order. And one of those pieces is the area of stewardship. We pray you bless us today. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone should have on your seats close to you some sermon note handouts. And I'm not going to go back and reiterate everything that we've, uh, that we've studied up to this point. But I want you to take that. A couple of things I do want to talk about. We're going to be talking about the benefits of lifestyle stewardship. And here's the thing I want you to know. Stewardship, and it's the next slide, stewardship is the missing piece. Everybody say missing piece. Is that the next slide? I must have missed. There we go. Stewardship is the missing piece of successful living. Now, the Lord wants you to live a successful Christian life, right? I mean, that's what the whole land of Canaan is about. You go back in the Old Testament, you see where God was leading them to the promised land. The promised land was not a type of heaven. Moses didn't go there. You think Moses is in heaven? Yeah, he's in heaven, right? He didn't get to the promised land, though. Uh, right? And there were two and a half tribes, Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh that camped on the other side that did not want to go there. The land of Canaan is a type of victorious Christian living. And God wants us to live a victorious Christian life. In order to do that, there's some biblical principles that we must understand and that we must get a hold of for us to be able to live that type of life. Stewardship is the missing piece. It is that piece that's that big and that profound. That it can change your entire life as a Christian. How many of you guys put together uh, jigsaw puzzles? You know, my favorite ones are like five-piece puzzles. The little wooden ones with a little peg in the middle. And you can just drop those babies in there real quick and I'm done, right? That's my favorite puzzle. How many of you guys like to puzzle like 1,000 pieces or 1,500 pieces? Oh, my goodness. Huh? And you got the box and you're looking at that thing. You're looking at this piece. And how many, how many have put the whole thing together and realized you've lost or the dog ate one piece, right? You got the whole thing, or maybe they didn't package it right, and it wasn't in there. Isn't that so frustrating? A lot of folks are living a frustrated Christian life simply because they're putting the pieces of the puzzle together, and they're leaving out one piece. And that one piece is stewardship, okay? By the way, all of these messages, and next week I'll bring, uh, I'll bring one of my books in here. You can get them online. But all of these are based off the 33 Days of Stewardship, 33 Laws of Stewardship. You can order that book online. The messages I'm going to be sharing are based off of that. You can study it as a family, study it as a couple, study it as a small group. There's study guides to go along with it. It's a church-wide study that we did many years ago here at Victory. But it's something that can really help solidify your faith. So stewardship is that missing piece. The next thing I want you to see, there's about... Two or three principles that we have gleaned from this already. Principle number one will be on the screen here that I want you to see is that God owns it all. Okay? If you can get a hold of that principle, and we've already unpacked that and talked about that, God owns it all, right? Everything is His. We are just stewards. A steward is a manager. Everybody say manager. That's your role. You are to manage everything that God places into your care and into your possession. You don't own it. We don't own anything, right? Nothing. God owns it all. So everybody say that together. God owns it all. Say it one more time. God, say it again. I just want to hear you. 
you take that away and you apply that to your life, there will be a major spiritual paradigm shift that will take place in your life. And you are well on your way to plugging in that missing piece of stewardship if you just realize that God owns it all. So we talked about that. That's principle number one. That's at the bottom of your sheet. Turn your sheet over. Principle number two is found at the very top. These are some highlights that I want us to hit. Principle number two is this. You, my friends, have a choice. Every single day, every hour of every day, every day of every week, every week of every month, every month of every year, you get to make a choice. Whether you are going to live your life like a river or you're going to live your life like a reservoir. Now, what a reservoir does, it just holds all the water. There's no fresh water coming into it, right? There's a, there's a dingy film over it. Uh, we were at Johnson Shut-Ins this past week camping down there. Not camping at Johnson Shut-Ins. We camped at Hunt State Park. We drove over to Johnson Shut-Ins to go hiking and swimming. And we're in this amazing river, clear water, fresh water flowing in over the rocks that made waterfalls. You get into this large area that you can go swimming in. You're standing in six to eight foot of water, and you can see the bottom where your feet are. You can see it. It's that clear. You know what that is? That's a river that's running through there. I would not jump into a reservoir to swim where there's that much algae and film on top of it and just nastiness and it starts to stink you know what a reservoir looks like in your life a reservoir is when you hoard everything up i mean you get all you can you can all you get and you sit on the can right i mean that's that's being a reservoir just hoarding everything up god doesn't want you to live like that he wants you to live like a river just with your hands wide open with your heart wide open the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not mine, it's his. And if he wants to place it in my care for me to manage it, I'm going to manage it well. I'm going to take care of it well. Which, by the way, guys, ladies, all of us, take care of whatever it is God's given you. Right? If it's a dollar, take care of it. If it's a used car, take care of it. Whatever it is, take care of it. Hello? It's not mine. I don't own it. But I need to take care of it. It's been placed in my care to take care of it. Are you guys with me? Say amen or oh me, but let me know you out there, right? Take care of it. But live like a river. And let God just bless you. So you get to make that choice whether you want to live like a river. And we talked a little bit about that the last time. Principle number three is this. And I think this is huge. Whenever we talk about stewardship, principle number three is where we need to totally, completely give ourselves to God. That's where it begins. If you remember, I took you to the passage over in in the scripture where Paul's writing about the believers that were giving. And these were believers that were in deep poverty and were having a very difficult time. But they wanted to give and they were giving over and over and over again. And then we asked the question, how were they able to do that? And scripture shows us that before they gave their money, they gave their heart. They gave themselves completely to God. You see, guys, God wants your heart. He's not real interested in your money. But he does know this principle. The scripture says, where your treasure is, finish it for me, there your heart will be also, right? So where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So whatever it is that you are investing in, that's where your heart is going to follow. So God is not after your money. But he knows if you will make the principle of giving the tithe and the offering into the church, he knows that your heart will follow that. Are you with me? So God is after your heart, 
not necessarily your money. But whenever we give to God's work, whenever we give to the local church, our heart and our life and our passion and everything with us follows that. Are you with me? So the first thing we've got to do is give our heart. So those are three major takeaways from the two messages that I've already preached on stewardship that I just wanted to bring back to your memory. Now let's jump down to some of the lifestyle benefits that will take place as a result of living this lifestyle of stewardship. There's about five benefits I want to hit real quickly, and I'll not be too long here. But number one, I want you to get this one. Benefit number one is that lifestyle stewardship puts material wealth into a biblical perspective. Okay? Lifestyle stewardship puts material wealth into a biblical perspective. Now, I want to show you a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. You need to underline this one in your Bible. You need to make a note in your digital Bible out beside it. You can put on there. If you have your Logos Bible software app open, you can make a note there. You can highlight it. I want you to get a hold of this verse of Scripture. Matthew six thirty-three. Now, the whole paragraph is great, but I'm not going to read all of that. I just want to read this one verse. In verse number 33, it says, But seek first. Everybody say first. That's a key word. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. You know what Jesus is saying? The Lord is saying, if you will seek me first, if you will put me first, I'll be sure that all of your needs are taken care of. But oftentimes in our Christian life, we put everything before the Lord. Right? We put our jobs, we put our career, we put our families, we put our vacations, we put everything before the Lord. And the Lord is saying, listen, put me first. Put me in the first place in your life, in your heart, and I will be sure that everything is taken care of for you. A lot of people go to Matthew 6.33. I want you to know that's a conditional promise. When he says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. And then you hear, here he says that um, if you will seek me first in my righteousness, all these things will be given unto you as well. That's a conditional promise. What's it based off of? It's based off the condition that I am going to seek him first. That I'm going to seek the Lord first. I'm going to seek his righteousness first. So if I'm seeking him first, then I can bank in the promise that all these things will be provided for me and given to me. You see, many of us want God to bless us financially, but we haven't given to him biblically. We want God to bless us financially, but we don't give to him biblically. And the scripture says in Malachi 3 that if we're not given to him biblically, that we're robbing from God. So how in the world are we going to expect God to bless us financially or bless us in our life if we're robbing from him biblically? Does that make sense? So the, the first thing I want you to get, the first benefit, is that it just puts material wealth and all of that into the right perspective. Number two is this. Lifestyle stewardship protects against financial enslavement. Now get a hold of that. It protects against financial enslavement. Why is that? Because we recognize that God owns it all. And we recognize if we're seeking him first, he's going to give us everything we need. So therefore, we don't have to be enslaved financially. We can just trust and depend on God to meet all of our needs. Now, let me just put in a disclaimer here. We have financial peace going on right now. 
wonderful, excellent course. If you've never taken it, get involved with financial peace, okay? You still have to be good stewards and good managers of your dollars, right? You still have to go to work, right? You can't sit, you can't just sit on the side of the road and say, oh, I love Jesus and don't ever do anything and expect God to meet all you. You gotta work! Can I get an amen right there? Matter of fact, Scripture even teaches if you don't work, you're worse than an infidel, and it tells the church not to even help you financially. Right? I mean, we got to work. By the way, let me go. Here's a rabbit. Chew, let me go run it down and kill it real quick. It won't take long, I promise. Guys, do you realize that work is not the curse? Adam and Eve were to keep the garden before they ever sinned. They were to work. Work is not the curse. Right? Can I be just real honest and truthful right here and very transparent? And my wife always gets nervous when I do this. But now I'm going to say this with a tremendous amount of grace and mercy. And you may think there's no grace and mercy in the statement that I'm going to give. But there's tremendous grace and mercy. It's down there somewhere, I promise. Okay? I just don't have much use and not very much sympathy for somebody that just won't work. Right? I mean, my daddy raised me at a very young age to work. On Saturday morning, I, get, I didn't get to lay in bed. I had to get up and repair fence posts, and we had horses, and we had cattle, and, and, and then he wanted to put this decorative wooden fence around his yard that separates the yard from the pasture. I don't know why in the world he wanted to do that, because I was the one that had to dig the post holes and nail the boards together, and then, then he wanted to paint the thing white, and guess who got that job? Really, Dad, why do you want this? Well, I know now why he wanted it. It looked nice, but guess who got to do it? And then my dad liked to heat, heat the house with a wood stove in the basement. And over in the garage, the unfinished side of the basement, it had this massive big wood stove. And he had it ducked into all the, the, the ducky, duck work of the entire house. And he said, this will save us some dollars. I said, well, that's great. Let's build a fire. I love sitting by a fire. But what he would do every summer, he would bring a truckload of logs in and have them dumped and delivered into pasture. And then he'd say, now, John, all summer long, I want you out there with a chainsaw and a mallet you guys familiar with that? And a wedge and a go-devil and everything else that you need. I want. Well, he didn't go rent me a splitter where I could fire that thing up and put it No, he said, I want you to use that. I want you to cut this wood up. I want you to bust it. I want you to haul it in here. There's the tractor. There's the trailer. Get it all hauled in here. Get it stacked up real nicely. Winter is coming, and I want to heat the house with wood. That's your job for the summer. Now... I remember back as a teenage boy, and even when I was, I was 10 or 12, my dad owned his own business, so he had me working for him when I was 10 years old. That's called child, and there's some child labor laws against that kind of stuff. Right? But I remember he had me working for him, and I was crawling. He had a termite and pest control business, and I was crawling houses and treating houses for termites. And I mean, we went to this one place. I'm 12 years old. I'll never forget it. This rabbit, I hadn't caught this rabbit yet. I'm getting him, okay? Which is one place, and it was a mobile home, and it had been underpinned with cinder blocks. You guys know what I'm talking about? Underpinned with cinder blocks, and there was no ventilation, no air, nothing under there. And my, my dad said, here, we're going to put vents in this thing, and we're going to put plastic down underneath it, and we're going to get the ventilation and everything taken care of, but none of us can fit in that hole. We're going to knock out one cinder block, and John, we need you to crawl through that cinder block and go in there and do all the work underneath. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, this, this, this mobile home had been there for years. The cinder block had been there for years. And everything inside had been there for years. No light whatsoever. I go in there and there's crickets, of those big crickets on the wall. There's water everywhere. Spider webs everywhere. There were no snakes. But all I had was a flash. My point is, I was brought up to work. 
We need to work. Now, how did I get off on all that? Oh. For God to bless us financially, we've got to go to work, and we've got to manage what he gives us well. Right? Be a good steward. Financial enslavement. Whenever I think about financial enslavement, I think about this, um, uh, this amusement. Actually, what, this city had a, uh, a big citywide day, and, and they had plane rides that were there. And it was $20 for a couple to take them up in this plane ride. It was an open cockpit type of old plane and, and the double wings on it. And, and 20 bucks for a ride for this couple. Well, this very frugal couple came up to them and said, We don't want to pay 20 bucks, but we'd like to both ride. My, my wife and I would like to go... Go up, go up in the plane for five bucks. And the pilot said, I can't take you up for five dollars. It's twenty dollars for a couple to go up into the plane. And they kept on and on and on. Finally, the pilot said, listen, you give me twenty dollars. I'll take you and your wife up in the plane. While we're up there, if you do not say a word, if you never yell, you never say a word, you never do anything. When we land, I'll give you your twenty dollars back. The husband said, that's a great deal. Yeah, he gave me his 20. They got in there. They go up in the air, and the pilot starts doing all these spirals and flipping this plane around and nose dives and everything else and upside down and on and on and on. And the pilot now is about to get sick. Finally, he lands the plane. He lands the plane. He looks to the man. He said, I cannot believe you didn't open your mouth during that ride and handed me his 20 bucks back. And the man looked at him. He said, I almost did when my wife fell out, but I decided not to because I wanted the $20. <laughs> You know what that's called? <laughs> that's called financial enslavement, right? <laughs> so if you have the biblical perspective of money, you will not be driven. Matthew six twenty four says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay? So put, for, put God first. Trust him. And I promise you he'll take care of you. Benefit number three is this. Lifestyle stewardship gives you victory over materialism. Now, this is the passage of Scripture that I had Dustin read for us today in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and following. I want you to look at this verse of Scripture. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. So he's saying, don't put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I think this is a great passage of Scripture for stewardship. Don't put your trust in wealth, but put your hope in God who provides for us. Then in verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. How about that? Those that are wealthy, don't put your trust in your wealth. Put your hope in God who provides for you and be generous. He's saying be a river, right? Be generous and be willing to share. And in this way, you will lay up treasure for, the, for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of that that is truly life. Every time we give, you know what it does? It breaks the materialism syndrome. If we learn to live life like this. So it gives you victory over materialism. Number four benefit is this. Lifestyle stewardship strengthens your faith. I mean, it just strength. You're working out some spiritual muscles. It's strengthening your faith. Malachi chapter 3, and this is the passage I referenced earlier. This says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Only place in Scripture where you'll find God where he says to test me is right here in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. He says, To test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, 
and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. God is saying, test me in this area. If you would test me in this, he's saying, I promise you I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out a blessing on you so large you just can't even bestow it, right? As we give back to the Lord, as we give our tithe week after week or month after month or every other paid or every other week whenever we get paid, whatever your pay schedule is, and we take 10% of that and we give that back to the Lord's work, you know what it's doing? That's exercising spiritual muscle. And it's going to strengthen your faith. And you're going to see where God starts blessing you in all different areas of your life as you start to give back to his work. The only place where he says to test me, and I think that's significant. Number five is this, and I'm done. Lifestyle stewardship benefit number five, it simply makes you a happy person. It really does. I love the passage in First Corinthians, or First Chronicles chapter 29. This is when David wanted to build the, temp, the tabernacle. And he's asking all the people to bring in resources and, and money, if you will, to be able to fund, uh, to be able to build the tabernacle, build the house of the Lord. And he's raising all these dollars. And I want you to look what it says in First Chronicles 29 and verse 6. It says, Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers, all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They gave almost, now listen to what they gave. They gave almost 188 tons of gold. You think that's a lot? 188 tons of gold. 10,000 gold coins, about 375 tons of silver, about 675 tons of bronze, and about 3,750 tons of iron. And they also contributed numerous precious stones. And then it says in verse number 9, the people rejoiced over the offering. I mean, whenever they counted it all up, the people, there was a celebration. There was rejoicing. The, the people were happy. They were filled with joy because they all brought and gave collectively together for the building of the temple. And then it says, for they had been given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy as well. And then in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, the latter part of that verse says, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So guys, you want to be a happy person? Be a giving person. Give of your money. Give of your time. Give of your resources. Give of your, uh, your gifts and your talents. Be a giving person. Live life like a river. And these are several of the benefits that will take place in your life if we learn to do that. You know what the root word of miserable is? It's the word miser. You know what a miser is? A miser is someone that's greedy hoards up everything, never wants to share anything with anybody, can't ever get enough and hoards it and hoards it and gets it and gets it, get all they can, can all they get, sit on the can mentality. That's a miser, the root word for miserable. Don't be a miserable Christian. Be a happy Christian, right? Be a Christian that has joy because we're trusting in the Lord who's promised us he's going to supply all of our needs. He's going to clothe us with, with as he clothes the lily of the fields and feeds the birds of the air and takes care of them. How much more value are we to him than those things? He will take care of us. But I think the condition is if we'll seek first, Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
then all these things will be added to you. So what does God want more than anything? He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants you to commit yourself to him completely. Whenever you do that, all these other pieces will fall into place and you'll be the recipient of these five. And there's many more, but these five benefits that I shared with you this morning. Why don't we pray together? Father, we thank you for our time together today. And we thank you for your word. And God, the area of our finances and our money is oftentimes the most sensitive area for individuals and oftentimes the most challenging area as far as trusting you with it. God, help us to be a people today that chooses to live life like a river and not a reservoir. And the only way we can do that is when we first and foremost give ourselves to you completely. Lord, we ask right now, as we pause here just for a moment to make decisions for you, we pray right now, Lord, that you would speak to our heart, that you would reveal areas in our life maybe that we haven't given over to you. Maybe we haven't trusted you with it. Father, today, help us to commit ourselves to you completely. When we do that, these other pieces will fall into place. Lord, maybe there's one here today that needs help in praying. and I want to help that individual this morning. If that's you here today and you just need help in this area, let me pray with you. And why don't you just repeat in your heart silently the prayer that I'm going to pray with you. Pray something like this. Say, Dear God, I know I'm a child of yours. I've accepted you as my Lord and my Savior. But I haven't given myself completely to you. There's areas in my life that I'm managing myself, that I'm taking control over. And today, Lord, I just want to release all of that to you. Friends, I don't know what area that is, but you do. Give that area to the Lord today. Quit worrying and stressing over these areas that are causing you anxiety. Give them over to the Lord. Depend on Him to meet all of your needs. Depend on Him to take care of you. Matthew 6.33, let that be your life verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness all these things will be added unto you. Father, today we give you our heart, we give you our life. We ask for forgiveness of areas in our life that we've taken lordship over. Today we release that, give that to you. We give our finances to you. We give our relationships to you. We give our physical well-being to you. Our emotional, spiritual life, everything, God, is yours. Help us to be good managers. You own it all. And help me to eagerly give back with a joyful heart that which you have blessed us with. Father, today, I make the decision... And I make the choice 
to live life like a river and not a reservoir. I open my hands, I open my heart, I open my mind. My life is yours. Use me. Lead me. Guide me. Stewardship. It's the missing piece for successful Christian living. Today I let go of it all. And I trust you to take care of it. Father, I pray for those that have prayed that prayer this morning. That you give us all the reassurance of our faith and our commitment that we've made to you today. I pray you prove yourself to us. As we take forth the test in Malachi 3 that you told us to take, prove yourself to us, God. Open the windows of heaven as we give back and bless, as we give back to bless you and to honor you. We pray, God, that you would receive honor and glory as we give our hearts and our lives to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360, or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.